Welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. I'm Nina. I'm Lata. And today we're talking about Season 4, Episode 8, Party Time. Netflix synopsis. Miguel and Sam are excited about attending junior prom until another couple unexpectedly shows up. Terry lures Johnny to a familiar location. Is that the entire synopsis? Yes! Okay. No mention of Anthony, though he was there prominently in this episode. Wow, we'll get keeping there. it streamlined, Netflix synopsis team. Um, <laughs> or maybe they too exclude Anthony. Oh, oh that's I dark. know. How deep does it go? Um, so, well, where would you like to start our journey? You know, we talked earlier how we were going to uh, discuss this episode, and we're going to like begin and end with Stingray. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, and it's about damn time. We were kind of wondering where he went off to. I mean, where did you think he went at the end of last season? When uh, he was expelled well, or thrown out of security guard. I believe, like, fired from his job for assaulting teenagers in a in a high school. Um, I kind of assumed that he he did like a little stint on probation for you know assaulting children, and it turns out that that was true. I my assumptions were pretty uh, pretty accurate when it came to Stingray. Do you think Stingray has a W two? Oh. God. That's a tax form. Folks. That is a tax form. He did work there for a day, right? So, <laughs> um, but yeah, the last we saw of Stingray was the end of season two. He had secured a position as a security guard at the high school where, where all of our teen friends attend, and he partook in the karate riot, which, you know, you just can't do that as an adult. It's just, it doesn't look good when you like punch a 16 year old in the face and you're a full grown man. Um, and so... unlike these teens who are slowly learning the lessons in, in the aftermath of this karate riot, Stingray has learned nothing, is living his best life, crashing at his sister's house. So Stingray uh, has a little opening scene where you see him in a beautiful house drinking espresso. You think that maybe he's like somehow made something of his life, but. Uh, he goes outside and his neighbor quickly disabuses of us of this notion. He's crashing at his sister's place. His neighbor hates him for playing Metallica or, sorry, I wrote it down, Exodus's Bonded by Blood all night. We're going to look that up later. Yeah. Uh, I, I find it interesting that the opening scene for Stingray was a lot like Daniel's opening scene where he's making an espresso. And, oh. Um, I wonder if this is like the signal that like it's the beginning of the end. Like you're riding high, you're drinking coffee in like a luxe mansion. And suddenly... Then your world's about to get destroyed. Well, to be fair, his world seems like it was a little precarious. And like his <laughs> neighbor was... is, is very mean. Um, you know, calling him like a, a man baby and like saying his sister doesn't want you here, etc. Like lots of, lots of bad shit. But I will say, because I have to bring this up. I have always felt about this show that, like, you know, um, Johnny and Daniel are Gen Xers, right? And then you got, like, uh, Crease and Silver, the Boomers. And then you've got all, like, the Zoomers or whatever they, they're calling themselves these days, being, like, that next generation learning karate. The only millennial representation in this entire show is Stingray. We are millennials, and therefore Stingray is us. Stingray is a comment on us. Am I right? Right? Yeah, I mean, I tried to fight it. You know that I did, but I but I have to say, it's such a burn. It's I such mean, a burn, because it's like, you look at this man, and as a person who may or may not be of the same age range as Stingray, who does take, listeners, I do take martial arts classes, and sometimes there are teenagers on, in those classes. That's on you, man. I'm telling you guys, Lutha has leaned in entirely. She's taking the podcast to a new level. I mean, yes, it's it's true. Like, I, I, I do take... Well, they're, they're, they're Muay Thai classes, so it's different. It's different, but, you know, sometimes I'm paired up with a teenager, and I'm like, oh, dear God, I'm Stingray. I'm the creepy old person. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so, no, this is absolutely, like, when we, like, criticize Stingray, it hurts us, too, honestly. Right, and we find out in this scene with his neighbor that his real name is Raymond, which I mean, really ruins it. I honestly... It's kind of like if you gave Penis Breath a name. I, I'm sure he has a name. No, I'm sure a list, I don't think so. I'm sure a listener will write in. But you know what? I don't want these people to have names. I want him to be known as Stingray forever. Which Just is like... You know why it's the unkindest cut when his neighbor calls him Stinkray? Like, I know. Oh, how do we do eviscerate a man, you we know? We don't really like Greg. Um, yeah, despite Stingray being, let's face it, like the biggest piece of shit, you're just like, come on, man. Leave him alone. He's had a hard time of it. It's... Okay, and I, when I say he's had a hard time of it, we've had a hard time of it, we millennials. I know. Singray, a.k.a. us, has been pushed to creating a squirrel, squirrel obstacle course 
in a backyard just to pass the time i have to admit like i once watched a youtube video of a squirrel obstacle course set up in someone's backyard and it was delightful oh god we are spiraling into a depression just on yeah. Stingray's line, which does not... His storyline, you know, goes to some dark places. Just we'll as we will. Um, but I just love it, this. He doesn't really... He seems actually unflappable in the scene with Greg until, of course, uh, Greg goes after his, like, dojo. Um, mm. And he goes, my dojo needs me. And then he goes into a very crease-esque line and says, don't mess with the cro- cobra, you'll get the fangs. That's right. And actually... You know, skipping ahead to when we see Crease's response to Stingray, it hurts all the more. Yeah. You know, he's, he's embodying Crease in this scene. So, yeah, here's my question for you. Uh, why is this the day that Stingray decides that the dojo needs him and he needs to go back? Like, what has happened? I honestly was like, the first time we watched this, I wondered if, like, someone had given him a call, but it doesn't seem like that. You know, Stingray seems like the kind of person that's kept obsessive tabs on the goings-on of Cobra Kai, so Mm. I feel like he would have definitely known that Silver was in town. He would have definitely known that the All-Valley is just around the corner. Maybe that's it. Like, the tournament is imminent. But yeah, it's weird. Maybe he feels like, does he want to participate in some way, even though he's not eligible? Um, that's a big question. Yeah, it's Listeners, the under 18, man. But yeah, um, I mean, not that that would stop Stingray, to be quite true. honest with you. Um, I, I feel like he should have been in the council meetings uh, with the All-Valley right. Council. And he should have been the one saying, you know, we should open up a 35 and older Yes, oh category. my god. Showrunners, if you do take my advice and like make a spinoff that's just about like the weird tournament board, Stingray should be a part of it. He belongs there. He's that guy. I actually see that that's like when the show ends. It's like Stingray running this board, and that's the most fulfilled he's ever been. Oh my god, blue mats that's all the way. That's where it belongs, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I do think that's interesting. Theories, right in, folks. Why is Stingray here all of a sudden? Yeah, like what did he read on somebody else's like Twitter account that like made him think like this is the day, this is the day? Because he's been off probation, I think, for a little while, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But uh, now he strolls right into uh, the Cobra Kai dojo, and that's when, as Nina alluded to, oof, he gets let this down. This is brutal. Yeah. This is brutal to watch. Um, because you know what? Crease is so cutting. You know, he doesn't give Stingray an inch. You know, Stingray basically professes his love for Cobra Kai and the dojo. He says he's one of the gang. And Crease just disabuses himself, or him, of that notion, just says... You don't belong here. You have no value here. You have here. no value. And Silver's just kind of coolly watching this. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, Crease, you you literal homeless man. This is too much. This is <laughs> not right. But, yeah. I mean, we're not surprised by it. In fact, I'm more surprised that, like, Crease was able to sort of pretend to tolerate Stingray, like, earlier. But, you know. Why did he tolerate him before? I don't no, I mean, Johnny let him in because, you know, he was willing to pay money for lessons, which, hey, I, I agree, is a good quality in a student. And then, you know, like, you have, even when Kreese, like, took the dojo over from Johnny, like, you see Stingray practicing with the troops, right? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. At some, at some point, he was just like, wait, yeah. remember when we had a 40-year-old man? That was weird. I guess that makes sense. Uh, that Johnny was always the one that was like, okay, Stingray, fine, you can be here. But, yeah, Kreese just looks repulsed. Yeah. Um, and- <laughs> I felt uncomfortable watching this. And of course, Stingray, I mean, he's not going to quit that easily. He's he like, thinks all it's right, a test. no worries. And he's got he's got a plan. And his plan involves like stalking the high school students to see where and his end is. haven't we all been there? Yeah, no, we have all been there. Every one of us. It's hard being a millennial, guys. Um, but we do get like the other big deal at the, at, uh, the Cobra Kai Dojo that day is... You know, prom is around the corner. Kyler's going to be renting a limo. And we get some nice little things between Robbie and Tori. Where Tori they are is... flirting openly. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tori essentially asked Robbie to prom in order to, like, basically mess with the minds of uh, Sam and Miguel. Yeah, sure. It's cute. Uh-huh. Do you feel like that's the actual reason? Or is she just... I think it's the actual reason. For, really? Yeah. I mean, maybe we should get to this when we get to the prom stuff. Do we want to talk about Silver and Crease? Like, yeah, because the they have a couple early scenes so what i noticed about um the first scene is like silver pledges his loyalty to crease again i'm just wondering are these the only conversations they have anymore yeah they're not talking about no they're not talking about like fun 80s stuff they're talking about nothing else except like 
Yo, you loyal, bro? Yeah, I'm loyal, bro. I mean, they're not talking about the news or anything. Current yeah, events. Exactly. Yeah, they're they're just like, <laughs> yeah, they're 100% like, yep, this is it. Like, every every conversation revolves around, like, you know, would, would I die for this dojo? Yes. Would you? Me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that must be fun. I mean, I bet, I have a feeling some part of Silver misses, like, champagne brunches with, like, Cheyenne or whatever her name was, you know. Yeah, Silver is a is a nuanced character. <laughs> uh, what is that amusing to you? <laughs> sure. Guys, back me up. He's a complicated man. Okay. Um, <laughs> nobody understands him, but his coke dealer, I guess. He's got a lot going in this episode. Like first, he's fairy godmothering Robbie, right? Because of course, uh, as as I mentioned, I tactically mentioned just as Tori tactically asked Robbie out to prom. Um, when Silver hears they're going, he's like, oh, well, okay then, I gotta make sure you're going in style. And he apparently, like, in our next uh, scene when we see, like, um, Carmen and Johnny just, like, chatting, like, uh, Robbie's mom comes up, and it's been a while since she's seen her, and she's basically like, dude, this guy named Terry Silver just, like, came by gave my son a car to go to prom, gave me a whole bunch of money to take care of him and offered me a job, but didn't say doing what. What the hell? I mean, that's good on Robbie's mom, but also she mentions an apartment that apparently Robbie is not living at, right? Like, Robbie's still living at the dojo? Hard to say, really. That's a good point. Where is Robbie? Where does Robbie sleep anymore? How fucked up is that? That she's just like... Oh, yeah, you know, I got out of this, like, Lux rehab facility and living my apartment. And she's like, I am shocked that this random karate guy would offer me all this money for the son I never see. Yeah, she's not really winning any parenting awards either here. Poor um, Robbie, man. Right? And also, do you think Silver is bankrolling just kind of Robbie's whole outfit and car? Yes. Or is Tori kind of on her own? I think that he is exclusively there to bankroll Robbie's thing because this is all a way of luring Johnny into this elaborate trap. So where is Tori getting this? Well, Tori, as she points out, bought her dress and plans on returning it the next day. I'm guessing, wouldn't it be cute if Crease could have bought her that, that dress? That would be cute, but... Like, they're both the fairy godmothers? I mean, I think that would be nice. But that would have been a nice think, touch, but I, I, I have a feeling that... Crease is in but... dire financial straits. Guys. I don't think Cre- yeah, I don't think Crease is quite paying attention to that particular uh, facet of his personality right now. So we've just got like you know, Tori has to like shoplift a dress. Meanwhile, Robbie gets like a like a crushed velvet tux that you know it's all from Moneybag Silver, and it's a uh, yeah. So it's basically all a way of which is a little bit convoluted. But we're talking about Terry Silver here. This is like probably one of his less convoluted <laughs> plots. But it's just like. I will buy his son a suit for prom. His mom will go be like, what the hell, Johnny? Who is this weird Cobra Kai guy? And then Johnny will rush to confront him at the old, at, at the dojo, the Cobra Kai dojo. I will not be there, no, but I will have security cameras on him. And we'll use that as a way to call him mysteriously and lure him to the new Cobra Kai dojo. What's really weird is that, do you feel like this is... This is just the the point that um, where Silver realizes that you know Crease has a soft spot for Johnny because all of these machinations would make more sense if they were aimed at Daniel, right? Like Crease hates Daniel, and Silver messed with Daniel before. Like why wasn't he luring Daniel to the spot again, and or trying to like win Anthony? For <laughs> God's sake, somebody try to win Anthony. Please, um, somebody. But yeah, no, it's all it's all a little bit like okay. So the best that I can understand it, um, and tell me if I got this wrong, like, he does this whole thing where he's, like, he has lured Johnny to the first dojo in order to basically just lure him to a second location to, it's actually the the original dojo that they had during the Karate Kid movies. Never go with a sensei to a second location. Right. Oh, my God. Rookie mistake. But, yeah, the, the second dojo is actually, like, the original dojo from the Karate Kid movies, and, like, apparently it has been a candle shop all these years and now they're buying it back. Okay. That is the second location that they're luring uh, Johnny to. Crease isn't really aware of this, but like, you know, Silver set this all up. Why? Because he wants to beat the shit out of Johnny. Why? Because he thinks that that will like erode Miguel's confidence and therefore Eagle Fang won't win the tournament. Um, what oh. did you think of this scene? 
Well, the whole motivation of it, you know what, Nina? It's fine. Silver's on a lot of cocaine. Even oh, yeah, let's talk about the even, energy yeah. in that scene. Because once we saw Silver, I mean, from the start of the episode, as we get to 22 minutes later, he just goes through a lot of changes. He's definitely on cocaine. Probably some meth. Probably some heroin. He's on a lot of things. It's a it's a high-energy performance. Um, he's, like, giggling to himself. Poor Loco. I mean, Kreese is alarmed. Maybe yeah. it takes seeing uh, Cocaine Silver again for Kreese to sort of pull back. What have I wrought? Yeah, be um, QuickBooks. Yeah, because, yeah, suddenly Kreese is like, um, well, I thought we were going to sell this at the tournament, which, you know, I thought that Kreese was all about not settling things at the tournament. But okay, I get it. You see your partner coked out like this, and you're a little bit like, eh. The other thing that I was a little bit... Look, like I said, I'm not going to like talk about how baffling the motivation is for this scene because, look, Silver, Silver's life is baffling motivations. <laughs> like, why did they go after Daniel in Karate Kid 3? They want to get revenge against Miyagi, but they... Anyways, it's not important. The thing is, what's important, Nina, and I want to ask you this, because I want to know, as a martial artist myself... Oh, boy. Does cocaine give you superpowers? Because, like, Silver just kicks the shit out of Johnny with, like, no problem. I've always said, I mean... Terry Silver is an amazing martial artist. Okay? Yeah, but he's like not a spring chicken anymore. You're like that's what makes it all the okay. He's still got it. Okay, Terry Silver. So, AKA are we awesome. saying? Are we arguing that Terry Silver is like the best martial artist on this show? I think he is. I really think he really? is. Really? Yeah. But I mean, like, he's not even trying, and he's throwing. Those I just kicks. thought that was weird. Like, I don't think Kreese no, no, no. can beat that's up Johnny not, that not... easily. You know, and I think he's the best martial artist of the entire cast. Wow. From my little amateur research on Tom C. and Griffith, he got into whatever, I want to say, Kung Fu, Taekwondo, early on in the North Hollywood Hills. I mean, but... He was teaching. I know you know this because you probably have all these stats memorized, but how old is he? Um, shit. I want to say he's 60. And, like, Johnny would be around, like, in his... 50s? 40s? I think Johnny, the actor, is probably in his, like... Like fifty six, fifty seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're around the same age. Okay. Look, he's, okay. he looks amazing. Can we just say it? He does look amazing. I was just a little bit like, wow, is Johnny that much worse than Terry Silver? Cocaine is like retinol, okay? It makes you <laughs> young again, and he's just doing amazing things. And we know he probably uses retinol, too. So, you know, he's yeah. covered. Okay, fine. I, I found that to be, like, the least surprising part of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, afterwards, like, Kreese is basically like, no, let him go. And, like, Silver looks at him, like, all puppy dog betrayed. Like, I thought this is what you wanted. And, like, the scene is so batshit, even Kreese is just like, no. Yeah, Kreese looks like, what's happening? Kreese looks like he's experiencing, like, ten different emotions. Because Kreese is used to being the craziest person in the room. Yeah. And you can tell when he gets to this darkened dojo that he's like, oh. <laughs> he's like, wait, I, I didn't plan this. What? <laughs> yeah, Having Crease be like, in terms of good cop, bad cop, Crease is, is now firmly like, what the fuck? I mean, um, I will say cool. that none of this is set up particularly well because, of course, in the previous episodes, you've had like Silver being more the voice of reason and Crease being the like, no mercy type of guy. But okay, you know, I'm, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna go with it because it's Crease and Silver, and at the best of times, they've never made a ton of sense, so it's, it's fine. Yeah, and also, I know that they had that little, like, uh, spat in maybe an episode or two ago where uh, Crease felt like Silver was challenging his authority, but I thought they made up over, like, a fancy whiskey at that restaurant. But I guess this scene, this episode opens with, you know, once again, Silver pledging his loyalty, and I'm like, you did that already. Do you have to keep re-pledging it? I mean, do you um, have to kick someone's ass? And, like, I, I don't know. Right. Yeah, because it just seemed like he's doing it, like, to make up for that time that he overstepped. Um, and in light of the season as a whole, which, you know, when we get to that last episode, we're going to spend hours dissecting Crease's exact, or yeah. sorry, Silver's exact thoughts at every part of his arc. But, like, I'm not sure, like... This is sincere, right? What he's trying to do. He's like really, at this exact moment, he thinks that this will impress Crease. I think it's it's tough because we have seen the entire season and we know where it goes. Um, I want to say that it's 60% the heroine <laughs> and 40% 
this is like silver when he's on drugs just regresses to like that old dynamic okay i yeah, think maybe sure. like early in the episode like maybe it used to be about like franchising cobra kai or right? whatever the fuck he cares about um <laughs> it's not clear anymore not even it's, to me it's, it's never fair. clear exactly what he cares about but he always looks like he's having so much goddamn fun I that know. you're like okay you know he's just like a, damn you silver i'm speechless honestly <laughs> watching him I don't know where the scene is going. But the first time we watched it, we were like, huh, okay. And the second um, time we watched it, we were still like, huh, huh. okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's a bad sign when, when Priest is the sanest person in the room. Hmm. Um, and he he actually, he walks away from Johnny, but you know... If it weren't for him, Kreese's intervention... Uh, Apparently, like, Super Silver would have just, Silver like, killed Johnny. Johnny yeah. That that would really show that tournament the what for, I guess. Um, you know? So, prom. Well, because we'll get back to Yeah, we're going to go to a lighter topic now then. <laughs> um, so, prom. Yes. So, the teens make an entrance. Um, Dimitri and Eli are hugging the wall. And they're a little bros. Um, I gotta say, Dimitri and Yasmin, just stop trying to make that happen. Yeah, it's gross. I mean... all of the... I know they've done their best to bring back a lot of the side characters and, you know, like, fun little flashbacks. And they even brought back Stingray, which is great. But sometimes I'm like, why did you bring Yasmin back? Yeah, like, part of me was like, okay, I get it. You brought Yasmin back because ultimately this is a show about, like second chances and nobody's fully a bully or fully a villain etc like you know because I, I remember actually when we watched season one um and you see alicia uh alicia like give like the um total wedgie to uh to yasmin power wedgie, yeah. the power wedgie and like uh my husband was watching it with us and he said like oh we'll just wait five years from now and she's gonna get her own spin-off series um where she's like the the beleaguered heroine but you know, I get it. I understand what they're trying to do, but, like, it's not like they brought her back and gave her, like, personality. She's just... Her only thing is that, for some reason, she's really horny for Dimitri, which is Yeah, weird. and I have zero investment, really, in Dimitri getting laid. I don't. Right. I um, guess I'm kind of happy for him, but also, seriously, what do you guys talk about? Um, well, that's a question for a lot of couples uh, yeah, on the show, to be honest. That's fair. But yeah, you've, you've got that awkwardness and poor Eli's just kind of like gazing at Moon from like the, the corner yeah, of the room. Yeah, maybe this is Eli's punishment. It's I just think so. having to watch his friend like Mac on. Yeah. It's nauseating for everybody. Right. And I get it because Eli's like, you know, I did some really bad shit. I kind of broke or dislocated Dimitri's arm. I must do this. This is my penance. <laughs> and other ways yes. to gain honor. Man. No. You don't need to This watch. is the only one. This is it. This I is his look, path. I had to look away. Um, so meanwhile, you've also got, of course, um, your Sam and Miguel couple at prom and they seem like they're having a decent enough time until, of course, Robbie and Tori stroll in. Uh, Tori, I must mention, has this like leopard print gown with like the deep V cut. And my main thing looking at it was like, she looks great, but I was like, but this has got to be stolen from like your mom or your aunt's closet, right? It's a bit of an older lady dress. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't notice that. Oh, going back though, I want to say when Miguel um, comes over to Sam's house to pick her up and they have this very weird conversation where they were like finally a night to ourselves and i'm like you guys have the energy of like empty nesters whose kids have finally left the house like finally like they don't seem like teenagers no like that are in love or but like really like each other they're just like oh man i just got like off a grueling 14 hour factory shift maybe karate is just like that but yeah i i remember like back in the first season when they like go on a their first date and it's just like, you know, they were never like my, like, oh, wow, what a great couple. But they had like, you know, fun energy then. They have not had fun energy in a while. Um, so you're just kind of like, all right, well, I'm glad you guys got to go to prom before breaking up before graduation, I guess. Uh, Maybe it's just Sam's presence just brings a tepidness to any relationship she's in. I think so. Because remember, I mean, we we've been hard on Robbie, but like. Robbie has an arc, and maybe the further Robbie gets away from Sam, like, he just seems more... It's true, and Miguel was, like, better when he was away from Sam, too. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I'm telling you. Um, That's interesting, because, yeah, like, you have, like, 
Again, I actually think that Tori, when she asks Robbie out at the beginning of the episode, it's not really asking him out. I think she honestly is just like, she wants to fuck with like Sam's head a bit before the competition, right? But like, they end up, you know, they stroll into prom together and she's in, in her dress and he's in his red velvet tux. And they do what I thought was kind of a goofy dance routine. and But they're having fun together. Honestly, I my heart was just touched. I yeah. think they're so cute together. They are very cute and it's so weird because I remember actually we talked about this and I was like, uh, yeah, whatever. I guess like Robbie and Tori will probably date because yeah, why we not? Yeah, like bitter <laughs> like like it'll be super sad like the, these two rejects really dating did it well though yeah because um, you get the sense that and this is why i kind of liked that i didn't really think that tori was asking him out at the beginning like you get the sense that they actually are friends and like it's just little stuff where it's like you know robbie asking her about her jobs and like previous episodes like you get the feeling that they like might actually just kind of like be friendly with each other before they jump into this romance which actually right. is rare and in the show at least and also, Tori, Tori reveals kind of her motivation for, like, wanting to win the All-Valley or even participating in this. Not just Crease's shenanigans with her rent, but that she feels like she's kind of losing in all other aspects of life. And this is, like, one thing that she can get for herself, which, honestly, Tori's motivation is the only one that makes sense on yep. the show. And I think Robbie shares it, right? Because, like, we were talking about why is Robbie still in this, but it's like... He, if he actually is living at the back of the dojo while his mom has kept his apartment and Johnny's doing, you know, chasing after Miguel, then, yeah, these two characters have kind of been, like, forgotten. I mean, no, oh, definitely. They have, like, all these things in common. Although I'd say that Tori, like, when she lays out her motivation, which is just very nice, it's just, like, it's not overplayed. She's just, like... You know, I might not be going anywhere, but I can look at that trophy when I win it. I know that I was the best at something. I think that's very clear, and I can totally understand why she feels that way. I never got that feeling from Robbie that he really wants to win the trophy that badly. But no, he like, wants Johnny's love. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think hey. at this part, I think this um, part of the season or whatever, he's still doesn't have that kind of self-awareness right. about what his motivations are, which I think is also very true. Yeah, that's um, pretty realistic. And it's just like, but yeah, I, I like that. I like that they set that up that like what Tori wants isn't like, it's to know that she was the best and that, you know, that's going to play a part like later in the season. But, um, they also have this fun thing where like they're dancing and they're talking and like Tori asks, uh, like, Robbie, like, are they still watching? Because, of course, they did this to, like, make Miguel and Sam jealous and throw them off. And it's really nice. Robbie's like, I don't care. And she says, me neither. And it's just like, I know. Oh. I mean, it's like a throwback to a 90s rom-com. And it totally works totally here. Totally works. And, and you know, they, they get the last laugh. Because Sam and Miguel, like, they're dancing. and They can't guess, stop, like, looking at... Yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah, it totally works on them. Because they're totally distracted and thrown off by it. I'll say this. Um, so Sam's outside, like later getting like. Uh, oh, sorry, for, I forgot. Um, a big prom plot point is that apparently, like the after party was canceled, but luckily Stingray to the rescue. He sneaks into, I guess, the school gymnasium, um, and basically is like, Bert, Bert, spread the news. The new after party is at Stingray's place. So I know. Well, Stingray is like shocked to learn that Bert has joined Eagle Fang. Doesn't seem to know what an Eagle Fang is, and I'm like. Are you obsessed with karate? Because you should be following like, this, right? I feel like, yeah, it's just what's Stingray been up to? Like, he's obviously living his like lux life at his sister's, but I and he's obviously somehow like keeping his his finger on the pulse of the karate community, but not enough to you know. You don't even about... know about Eagle Fang? Come on, yeah, come on, bro, get with it. But he's you know, so he throws this big after party at, at his place, um, and this is where some of like the the prom action goes down, like a. Uh, Oh, I mean, we should also mention, because we're talking about Stingray a bit, that, like, of course, evil neighbor Greg comes in um, and says a bunch of truthful, hurtful things. Like, you're all underage teenagers getting drunk at this man's house who has no friends his own age. He's pathetic. I mean, since I plan on ending up in exactly the same situation a I year mean, from now. get like, it, yeah. yeah. Do we want a crowd of teens chanting our names? Sure. Yes, all the time. And so that's how it ends. Stingray is well, on top of the world. I yeah, Stingray... To be fair, Stingray is pretty polite to this asshole um, who is in his house yelling at him and threatening to call the cops. But, you know, then he then he does some... See, he lets loose some karate on him. Like, a little bit, right? Like, kicks his ass. Everybody's chanting his name. Greg's limping away. I, I'm a little worried about 
Stingray's assault charges, but that's okay. That's oh fine. yeah, is the next season just going to be Stingray in jail? <laughs> Dealing with the legal... Uh... No one actually deals with legal ramifications, except for maybe Robbie and yeah. Corey. Um, but yeah, that's, that's Stingray. Um, um, but meanwhile, now. yeah, um, so Sam has gone to the backyard to like fill up her, her beer cup. She's staying away from the hard stuff guys though. She's learned her lesson, but God, this is again, nothing at all like our high school no, shenanigans. No, I mean, but this is, you know, I have, I give Sam a lot of crap for everything and like, especially like when she tries to be bitchy and mean and it just comes across as sad, but I liked this. Tori's coming up behind her and she's like, oh, behind me in line again. Oh, first Miguel, now Robbie. I have a half-eaten cupcake if you want that. And I was like, yeah, that's good. That's good. That was good. Uh, um, so, But then Tori says, I don't take orders from tiny little bitches. I'm team Tori, guys. I mean, I'm team Tori most of the time, but the better line goes to Sam. Listeners, write in. What do you think? Um, yeah. You know, honestly, uh, a lot of people have written in about being um, on Daniel's side and how, how we really take Daniel to task for being the worst. <laughs> but I don't, we don't hear a lot from people that are Team Sam. And I Sam know Defenders. Might, I know they come out. Exist, so, come out. Um, um, we, we are committed to civil discourse on yes. this podcast. What do you find compelling about Sam? What makes her a character you root for? You know, sell Sam to us. Yeah, you know? I don't. You know, when do you think she has a good line? We have at least it doesn't one happen lawyer that often. on this podcast who's willing to litigate this. I am. I just stood up for Sam myself, but um, you know, see, I, I also kind of like that it is Sam that starts the fight. Um, yeah, that's her getting. Are they trying to say this is her getting Cobra Kai, which is like, you know, striking first? I think they're trying to say that, but I was also just like. You know, Tori's always start, start, uh, Tori is always starting the fight with Sam. It is just nice to see Sam starting the fight with her. Like it's her turn, you know. And do you actually feel like Sam is some feeling some intense jealousy over Robbie, the okay. guy that she basically like? I think they dated, quote unquote, dated for like one week before she essentially kissed Miguel and like, what is going on, girl? Well. Yeah, it's complicated, Nina. Is it's it complicated. That, is it that complicated? I think it's pretty complicated. And why are you forcing me to be on Team Sam here when I have to say that, like... We're learning a lot tonight. Oh, God damn it. All right, I have to do this. You're making me do this. She keeps sitting on the fence. She's going to get splinters in her ass. And look, uh, pick a dude. Look, she did... Look, she was dating Robbie. She had a drunken, like, mistake kiss with Miguel, I suppose. How many mistaken kisses have you had? Oh, Nina, you don't want to know. Um, but, look, so that happens, and then, like, when all the stuff goes down at the school and Miguel is paralyzed and stuff, like, she still doesn't d- abandon Robbie, even though he is, like, paralyzed, this this dude. Like, she's trying to get in touch with him. She's, like, writing him letters and calling him when he's in juvie, and he basically just decides to pretend that she doesn't exist and sort of ends up, like, breaking up with her just by, like, ghosting her. So, I don't know, man. Anyways, we get all of this, like, when they start the fight, um, when, of course, as soon as, like, Miguel gets into the fight, which starts out between Tori and Sam, it's like, you know, he kind of falls on Tori, and then it's a sexy fight, which is awkward, and then Robbie jumps in, and then there's, like, a weird little moment between, like, Robbie and Sam in the fight where she's like, you you think I broke your heart? You broke my heart. Where you're like, nobody was talking about anybody's heart. That oh my is God. the most nonsensical line in this entire episode, and there have been a lot of nonsensical right? lines in this episode. And but yeah, it came out of nowhere. Where I'm like, are we supposed to believe that? You know, I I can see Sam being kind of this flaky, conflicted person who just can't make up her mind about literally anything in her life, um, including Probably, who yeah. she has feelings for. So it's like, uh, you know, when she's with Miguel, she's kind of looking over at Robbie, and when she's with Robbie, she's looking over at Miguel, and. That's just kind of where she's at. And Miguel, honestly, feels like he belongs in a completely different yep. movie, TV show. Like, he is there in spirit, but... He, no, sorry, in, in... You get the sense he's just thinking, I'm too old for this shit. He's too old for this shit. He's Danny Glovering it. Yep. He is honestly like... Uh, yeah, there's there's moments like when the Robbie and Tori are like sexy dancing where he's like looking at them and Sam gets mad about that. But like... I didn't get the sense that he was like, oh, God, I miss Tori so much. We, what we had was great. It, it seems like he's, like, pu- put both that and perhaps even Sam behind him. He's, like, sort of like, okay. Yeah. 
It's done. It's almost like if everyone wasn't dead set on him going to prom, he probably wouldn't have even gone to prom. Yeah, yeah. And, like, meanwhile, Robbie, uh, this is, uh, wait, first of all, we have to say that, like, Tori and Robbie do this, like, weird dance fighting thing. Oh, my reminiscent God. Reminiscent of real technique. We both looked at each other and we were like, we that look so familiar. And you know what? It's got to be a real, like knife to the heart for Sam watching wheel technique or the same thing that she and Robbie did it's a knife to my heart watching wheel technique wheel technique is so stupid stop trying to make wheel technique yes happen. there's no way no I'm sorry if, if anybody has martial arts training right in but like I don't think that holding hands during a fight helps I'm just saying it just doesn't hurt <laughs> <laughs> guys sign up for my dojo oh, that's God. all we do <laughs> Anyway, there is, like, one moment at the end of the fight where, like, you know, just as Sam, like, threw that weird line at um, at Robbie, Robbie and Miguel end up entangled a bit, and Robbie throws this line at him, which is, like, quite hurtful and also totally inappropriate for whatever they're doing right now, which is, like, you think my dad cares about you, but he's just trying to make up for how he screwed up with me, which is, like, it's prom, guys. This is not the time nor the place. Hurtful, but, you know, I you know I give points for hurtful, but still. I know. So, yeah, I do give points for how hurtful the line is, but it is sort of a little out of nowhere. But anyways, we get everybody falling into the pool. Um, and my favorite part, actually, is that, like, you have Tori and Sam and, and uh, Miguel fall into the pool and, like, a bunch of other people jump in. And then Tori just, like, you know, asks Robbie to help her out and then pulls her Tori has so much game. She has so much and game. And I admire it. Um, and... What I really like about this is like it covers a, like a few different points. There's like some fighting, there's some like romance, um, and then it gets into this like weirdly dramatic area, and then it ends on a lighter note. Where the best thing about all of this is that Tori, or, Tori and Robbie are having like the best time. Yeah, Sam and Miguel are again doing that bitter fifty-something-year-old. They've been together too long and are just sick of the sight of each other and are, like, yelling at each other. And, like, you know, you have, like, Tori and Robbie in the pool and they're laughing. It's like, yeah, it was a fight. But it's nice to see them come away from a fight feeling, like, pretty good. Even though, obviously, there were no winners or whatever. you know, after that, they're macking in uh, Silver's car. Yeah, and you're like, wow, am I rooting for this? This is weird. I know. I I never thought I'd see What is happening to me? Um, God, next Wait, season so I'm going to be such a Sam stan, and it's going to be embarrassing. I don't know what's think, happening. I, I think it's because it's Silver's car. Oh, my God. It's enchanted. I mean, yeah, it's like the, that uh, pumpkin-shaped carriage or whatever. Exactly. Only the magical things happen. You can't help but get action in the Quicksilver mobile. Ugh. Okay. I have repulsed love. Uh, yeah, that was me shuddering. Um, <laughs> so, before we get back to your love, Silver, we have the Anthony plot. Oh, yeah. And it's weird because I felt like the Anthony plot was kind of... They touched on it a lot in the previous episode, but it felt like this this episode just kind of felt overstuffed, where I'm like, it's good that we're getting more great kind of context for Anthony's role in this family, but kind of next to all of the other plots, it's like a it's little true. too much happening. But anyway, Anthony, guys, Anthony. The Anthony crisis, as mm. I've called it, because that's literally what Daniel and Rem- Amanda refer it, their son's problems to. Yep, his crisis. And it's weird because it's like, yeah, Anthony bullied a kid, um, but in the context of like all the other shit that has been going on in this town and with the karate dojos, like bullying on this level doesn't seem like... But quite a big deal. It's the first time they've ever been involved in Anthony's life, so obviously you know they're, they're like, what? they're mad that they're forced to parent him. Yeah, no, this is exactly what they're mad about. They're like, wait, what? Come on, we did not sign up to pay attention to Anthony. I know. Um, it's pretty great. Uh, I will say, you're right. It is overstuffed in an episode that has a lot going on. Um, but I do sometimes like like it when it feels like the showrunners are like listening to our conversations, um, which. You know, if you guys are, that'd be great. But, you know, if, if it's just, like, a thing that we've talked about in the past is that, like, you know, we say it over and over again, like, da- Daniel and Amanda don't like Anthony. They like they love Sam much more. They don't pay attention to him. So we have uh, the character Vanessa, um, ostensibly Daniel's cousin. Um, in real life, the actress is Ralph Macchio's daughter. And she's a child psychologist, conveniently visiting, who sort of agrees to, you know, well, 
Daniel and Amanda think that she's going to talk to Anthony and fix him because they'd love to outsource that. But no, she wants to talk to them about their parenting, which they are not that crazy about. And they both get immediately very defensive, especially Amanda. It's kind of interesting because she's sort of the saint-like figure and she's always the reasonable one. So it's so interesting. I would love to plumb the depths of, you know, her, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that Anthony was an accident. Maybe we'll get some more, like... She maybe planned to leave the car dealership business and go back to school, but now she has Anthony to raise. Yeah, because as, as much as Amanda is usually portrayed in a very positive light, we have never seen any, any evidence of her loving Anthony any more than Daniel does. And like, I mean, she's willing to kind of forgive Tori and even takes a kind of maternal approach to Tori, who has done way worse shit. Anthony, worse. again, small potatoes bullying doesn't even seem to be particularly good at it. Um, <laughs> if only he were better at it. But, I know, but she yeah. goes on the attack. Because, and... uh, yeah, like, um, Vanessa basically is just talking about the electronic devices, how busy the her, uh, Amanda and Daniel have been, mentioning that Daniel's also busy with the dojo. Uh, thanks for adding a second job, just for no reason, Daniel. Um... And, you know, they're they're like, mm, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe that happened, but mm, I mean, um, they're very defensive, and, like, there's a nice little moment where Vanessa's like, I'm going to ask you guys a question, um, and she gets her notebook out, and she's, like, about to write something down. She's like, why do you think you love your daughter more than your son? Um, which just, like, sends them both into, like, paroxysms of rage. It's, it's interesting phrasing, because it's not that they love... Sam more it's that they just love her and they don't love Anthony you know it's this is we're not talking about degrees of love it's it's an either or it's, situation it's there or it's not but yeah it's uh it, it's a good question um and one I think is weirdly played for laughs because I get that this show is kind of beyond everything it's both like a dramatic and a comedy and I love that they play that um both sides of it but I think with the Anthony plot line it's like, how committed are they to kind of interrogating this? Are they going to, like, have Daniel and Amanda divorce over this? Are they going to have, like, you know, Anthony sent away to boarding school with Chosen? Oh, how convenient. Oh, Chosen. But, no, I, I, um, I, I get what they're doing. I like that they actually, I never thought that they would actually address this. I always thought Anthony Watch would just be kind of an in-joke for us. And that, like, they're actually like, yeah, wait, why don't they seem to like their other kid that much? Um, family photo? Yeah, like, he's not what, in what, it. With, Prom, like, Lucille and Louis are, like, the only people that recognize Anthony's existence. It is, he's, that's probably the first photo. Hmm. Like, Anthony's probably not been captured on film in, like, a decade. Right. And, and yeah, so it's actually, like, pretty satisfying just to, like, look at the LaRusso's faces and, like, when they, uh, they, when they clutch it, like, um... Vanessa's notebook, and they see that what she has written is, this is a test. And she's like, and you just failed it. Uh, which is a fun line that doesn't really make that much sense, but I, whatever, I digress. I like that, like, yeah, Vanessa's just a character that exists, is so chaos. Yeah. Um, um, and what is, so what's the upshot all, of all this? Well, you've got Daniel going up to Anthony's room and saying, like, you know, hey, Sorry, bud, I know we were, like, grounding you and taking away your technology, but losing your technology, uh, you know, what's worse than that is being bullied. Which is, like, yeah, that's that's a solid father thing to say. Um, Anthony, who just knows how to work it, that's the thing. It's, like, you don't... I think this is probably why I like Anthony. Like, you don't see him, like, crying about, like, not being as beloved as, as Sam. Instead, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm really sorry about everything, and... I really hope that you guys beat Cobra Kai at the tournament. You know what? Yeah. He's think, so good at it. I think Anthony would make an amazing lawyer. Right? Hey, because, wait. <laughs> not that wasn't a compliment, was that it? That was a compliment because, you know what? Anthony's probably heard some variation of the, hey, sorry we neglected you. Sorry we left you. Uh, you know what? Anthony should have been in the rebooted Home Alone movies. He's a kid that would have probably been left abandoned at home all the time. And would have used his wits to, like, kill a bunch of bank robbers. Why not? But, I mean, just that he knows that, like, they're never going to have an emotional father-son talk. Yep, and he's not not here for that. Like, he's just, like, he's going to say what he needs to say to get his dad to leave. But, you know, unfortunately for him, his phone pings... Just as his dad is turning to leave, which is like, Anthony, come on, why didn't you put it on silent? But okay, I know. whatever. He's still a child, you know. He's, he's still learning. By the time he actually graduates and goes to law school, I mean, good lord. 
watch out world. Right. Anthony's but, on the case. But I don't know, Nina, because like suddenly Daniel comes back in and he's furious. He's like, what? We said no electronics and look what you've got. And this is neat. It's, I liked it. He goes full on Johnny and he says, quiet. And he takes that iPad or whatever it is and he breaks it over his knee. Um, and you know, do you, you know, feel I like, liked it. yeah, I mean, I just, I've always said that Daniel has rage issues. So, I mean, but I, do you feel like he's actually grappling with the fact that he's using a Cobra Kai technique or is that? Just- I think he is unsettled because you can see it in his face. Well, actually, no, you don't see it then, but like. You see it the next day when Daniel, uh, when Anthony is suddenly like taking out the garbage without being asked to, and he tells like Daniel and Anthony, or sorry, Daniel and Amanda, like, "Hey, uh, I would also, I'm sorry for what I did, and I'd be happy to help out around like the dojo or like at the car dealership." And you know, for me, I'm like, "Does he mean this, or is this another Anthony ploy?" But whether or not he does, like. Amanda turns to Daniel and is like, wow, well, whatever you did, you worked the Miyagi magic. And then, like, you see Daniel's face, and he's he looks troubled, because he knows he didn't work the Miyagi magic. He knows he worked the Johnny magic. And then, like, and again, going back to the theme of this season, which is that, like, Cobra Kai is not all bad, that, like, for a certain type of kid, maybe it works. Like, I think that Daniel's getting, like, the hang of that, and that scares him. It frightens him to his core. Yeah, Miyagi's ghost is in the corner being like, I had nothing to do with this. Right? Miyagi's just like, oh, you fuck ups. But, you know, that's that's fine. <laughs> um, also, by the way, Lu- Lucille LaRusso hates Amanda. Classic. Yeah. I love that that's her only other character trait, beyond the fact that, you know, Daniel's mother has a lot of tolerance for Miyagi-isms. And she hates Amanda. Yeah, no, that's about it. Yeah. They don't really do much else for her except, like, have her, like, have spats with Amanda. But, hey, you know. Um, so, yeah, I I do wonder, kind of, what's the end game with Anthony here? Is this just, like, part of the long con? Because, you know, we've seen him, like, when he got the TaskRabbit guy. That was just one episode ago. So, I don't know. I don't think someone breaking your iPad or whatever is really going to, like, I feel like Anthony's going to have a moment of truth. The thing is, none of Anthony's reactions um, to his dad have been like, he has not like had a fit of rage or said like, you don't love me as much as Sam or anything like that. His only real reaction that we've seen is when he says he doesn't care about Miyagi. That's like such a real moment for him. All of his other moments are kind of like, he's saying what his dad wants to hear. He's good at it. And I think the same holds true for like saying that he wants to volunteer around the dojo or the dealership. Or the dealership. Come God, on. We've already, sorry, the, the car dealership intern, that's been done by Robbie. No one did it better. No huh. one filled those straws Yeah, better. come on. <laughs> Robbie, I mean, it's yeah. a new thing to be good at. Yeah, you can't compete with Robbie when it comes to being a fake son or real son or whatever. Like, that just was two move years on. ago, if you can believe it. Oh, man, we've all grown. <laughs> R.I.P. that internship. So we got one more thing, one loose end to tie up, oh, and that boy. is our last scene with Silver and Stingray. Oh, my God. Okay, so when we opened, Terry Silver is in a drunken spiral, guys. <laughs> Uh, his ponytail is messy. Oh, wait a second. This is... Okay, we'll do this scene, and then we'll talk about Miguel and Johnny, because we skipped that scene, Oh, my too. God. You're yeah. right. Um, so, yeah. Silver is... it When his ponytail is askew, it's very frightening. Because you know. I mean, the beer and the whiskey and the meth, it's a potent cocktail. I mean, I thought it was kind of weird that he was just drinking, but maybe they're just not, like, in a place where they can show him doing hard drugs on camera, but yeah. that's fine. Um, we know we know he's not just drinking, What's guys. What's weird is that, like, you know, Izzy, we've, we've often posited that, is he just pretending to um, crease, or does he actually want creases? Kind of good opinion. We did, yeah. We want to pledge his loyalty because he is—he's kind of like mumbling to himself. Yeah, nobody else is there to watch him, so you yeah. are like, okay, I guess he really, truly, in this drunken moment, in this exact moment of the plot, he seems to truly want Crease's approval, right? Okay. Um, at least that's that's my guess. And then you know, Stingray scrolls in and says that he really wants to be Cobra Kai and he'll do anything, and then. Something in Silver in this moment changes. Yeah, and it's that the piano piano concerto swells. Right. Which is our, I guess that that's the trigger for him. 
And he starts hitting Stingray. Yeah, he's like, oh, you want to be Cobra Kai? You want to be Cobra Kai? And, like, you know, Stingray's, yes, yes. And keep in mind how, how much we over-identify with Stingray at this point, uh, as, as millennials, I, I mean. I felt every kick. I felt every touch. kick. It is brutal. And that's, like, how the episode ends with just, like, Terry Silver beating the shit out of millennial stand-in Stingray. I know. Oh, it hurt. God. It hurt. Um, but you're right. That's not that. That's not all of the important scenes of the episode. There's one more. We're gonna, we're gonna go back a little bit in time to just post prom. Miguel is. I guess Miguel has enough feelings still for his high school life that he's just like, yeah, that was a shitty prom night. He wants to talk it over with Johnny. He goes over to Johnny's place and finds him in a drunken stupor, which. I'm not sure why he decided to get that drunk after being, like, beat up, but, uh, okay. Yeah, again, this is this is the thing where I feel like that whole scene should have happened with Daniel. Daniel's the one with early silver trauma. Daniel's the one who should have right. pissed himself when he's got beat up by silver. It's weird. I, I, I assume they're saving this for the next season. But, but yeah, considering that, like, Daniel has way more trauma with Johnny Silver. He doesn't even know Silver. He doesn't even know Silver. And, like, yeah, and also it's like, if the point of beating up Johnny was that it would, like, spook Johnny's champion, Miguel, like, couldn't you say the same for, like, beating up her dad would probably have, like, a bad impact on Sam, right? Like, yeah, in the girls' division. In the girls' division, which counts for just as much. So, uh, okay. But, um,. Yeah, you're right about that. So you do have that confusing setup, and then this payoff where it's, like, drunken Johnny. Um, and Miguel, like, lifts him up, takes him to bed, and, you know, uh, he, like, Johnny doesn't really explain what happened, but, you know, Miguel doesn't need to. He's like, all right, this is my drunken sensei. I know what I'm doing. It's fine. I know. And Johnny gives this really, like, emotional speech. Oh. He says, I want to be a father to you, but I have to keep fucking it up. And... Uh, Miguel, who has come a long ways as an actor, I think. Oh, I always um, thought Miguel was a yeah, good actor. Yeah, I mean, he's always been good, but I think the kind of emotional beats. Um, yeah, and you know, when we say, like, uh, Miguel seems like he doesn't belong at prom or whatever, it's not so much that, like, oh, because it's just, like, the actor is, like, acting like like he's above it. I think it, like, actually is the character. Like, he's not emo- not emotional about the prom stuff or the Sam stuff, but you see his emotion here. It's so good. Like, he's yeah. reserving it for something that's actually important. Um, yeah, and I feel like, you know, he... Oh, man, his eyes just fill with yeah, tears. And he says, he says, you're doing just fine, and I love you. And uh, I think that's the first time he's ever said, I yeah, love you. I think so. Um, and then just a knife twist. And then, and then Johnny says... I love you too, Robbie. I know. And, you know, if it were any other two actors, I think it could have been, like, a funny scene or, like, a weird, like... But just the way these two yep. play it, it's just like, oh, man. It's their scene. Like, they've built up to it over four years. And it is... It's so good and so sad. And Yeah, and it's yeah. because, it, like, the scene right before is, again, Silver... The threat of Silver taking away Robbie. So it's like... right. And then, of course, you had that scene at, at, uh, at the prom night fight where Robbie basically says, like, my dad doesn't love you, which now seems like a really low blow for no reason. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I feel like, I think I read this in the Vulture review of this episode, but that just because of who Johnny and Miguel are, they're not really going to, like, the type to talk it out in the light of day. Yeah. It was a moment, you know, they're both at their low points, and they had a heart-to-heart, and this is just kind of going to go unsaid. Right. And it's like, and of course it's really sad, because you know that, like, Johnny loves Miguel. Oh, yeah. He for sure isn't talking about Robbie in this. I mean, he's talking about Robbie in this exact moment. This is just a testament to Silver's Excellent side. Oh, I mean, you I know Crease might have the physical muscle from Nam, but what? Is oh man, away from it? do we have to go back to the age-old You're argument? Always going to go back. Does to Johnny that. love Robbie? Yes, it's I think he no- loves Robbie. Uh, does he love Miguel more? I've been Maybe. threatening this for a while, but you know what? Maybe our end of season thing is just a straight-up poll. And we're gonna let the listeners decide. I think that in in drunkenness there's truth. He does love Robbie. It's just that it's he loves one, Miguel this too. This show loves parallels, and as I say, Anthony is unloved, just like Robbie is unloved. Oh my god! I think Anthony is just loved less, just like Robbie is loved less. I think we should go back to Nessa and her takeaway on this. You're being very charitable, <laughs> but oh man. So what do you think of this episode? 
in the aggregate? How would you how would you rate it? You know what? Part of me, I don't know that I had a. I'm trying to think if we've ever given out a five. I want to give it a five just because I felt like it went. There's been it's an overstuffed episode. They've kind of touched on everything except for maybe Kenny. <laughs> and if they had thrown Kenny in here, I would have been like too much show, way too much. Um, I think the first time we saw it, I think like the Stingray thing was like, uh, but I really like that he came back. You know, I think I was a, a little uncertain, but. I'm going to give it like a 4.5 out of 5 abandoned dojos that you're lured to. Oh my god. <sighs> the worst type of dojos, really. You know, I agree with you in that there's so, like, oh, especially like with the um, the Johnny Miguel moment and like, you know, in the, the Tori Robbie parts, like, there's some really good things in this episode. Like, really good things. Um, a little bit of the Terry Silver Stingray batshit stuff. It doesn't make a ton of sense the first time around. Um, makes maybe a little more sense the second time around, but I don't know. Jury's still out on that one. Ultimately, I gotta give it um, four Stingray's Frisbees that are lost up on his neighbor's roof. Whoa, deep cut. Yeah, right? Yeah, you know, it's getting that same feeling where, you know, before the school fight, was it season two? And we felt like the, we were not huge fans of season two, I think, in mm-hmm. the whole, but like the few scenes that came before the finale, we felt like, okay, they're setting something up, clearly. Yeah. But then it feels like, okay, you don't know if you enjoy the episode. It's like, okay, they did some like interesting emotional beats, but I have that feeling, that same feeling. That's, that is very true in that like, with the school, yeah, that's a perfect parallel, like with the second season, like... When you watch the whole thing later again, as you do if you do a podcast, um, you're like, oh, I see. I got it. All of this was set up for, like, this crazy, batshit, kind of amazing school fight finale. But, like, getting us there was sometimes just like, that doesn't make any sense. Okay. But, um, so there's a little bit of that. But unlike season two, that's not, like, the whole focus, at least, of uh, this episode. So, yeah. Yeah. I I respect your 4.5. Yeah, and I think uh, it's always nice to see. Is it fun to see Cocaine Silver? For sure. I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense, but you know what? I'm glad you're back, buddy. But how do you, how do you feel about Cocaine Silver beating the shit out of basically us? I have to say I gasped the first time and the second time. There's something about that scene that's just like, if you'd been beating up, you know, he just beat He's beating up on a lot of people in this episode. He beat up on Johnny, who we love, but for some reason that felt like more evenly matched. Yeah. This just felt like a sacrificial killing. Yeah. Like, I thought, you know, is Stingray going to die in this? Because, like... Yeah, it was, it was actually, like, genuinely scary, so... Yeah. Um, so, I gotta say, we had a lot of, like, epic... And, you know, we saw a little softening of Kreese, so that's, that's why it gave such a high rating, because it's, like... We've seen kind of a one-note crease this ep- this season, and I don't know. He's uh he's got a couple notes. Ooh, I, this is me just trying to trick you into becoming a crease. I fan. am not a crease fan, which mainly because it's like his notes are like all over the place. But I think Crease's best notes this season so far, and in the previous season, have been like in his relationship with Tori. Like honestly, there's something yeah. very honest and not overplayed about it. I'm a little like. More iffy about retconning it to seem like he cares deeply about Johnny because it's like never seen that before. But yeah, okay. they should have. I feel like they should have done a couple of scenes like midway. Yeah, like but again. I mean, maybe that only shows up when he sees someone actually. No one's really gone after Johnny. Really, Crease has been the antagonist, right? Which is what kind of makes it strange that he's just like, what? Somebody's beating up on my student just as I did like three episodes ago. Maybe is just emotionally blocked. He hasn't had 30 years of therapy like Silver. Oh, yeah, no. Silver's in touch with everything. We don't actually know how that therapy was good for anything um, at the end of it all, but... Yeah, yeah, one conversation I with Kreese kind of undid all of that. to know what was in that pill, like that little pill box that he had. His antipsychotics, yeah, probably. Um, that's That's a Reddit thread that I'm not going to go down. I'd rather be surprised, but... <laughs> Um, you think we covered it? I think we covered it. Okay. Um, guys, thanks so much for all of your comments on Twitter. Uh, again, I was traveling this week, so I was a little light on Twitter, but I'll be back with some memes 
and um, you can follow us at Kai underscore cast. Um, and keep sending us some emails. Yeah. We uh, we got an email this week that we're going to discuss in our mailbag episode, but much appreciated. Yes. It's just great. Um, and that's CobraKaiNeverDiesCast at gmail.com. And we'll close this out. Let the... Strike first. Strike hard. No, no mercy. mercy.